Welcome to Feed the Machine. This podcast is designed to allow business people to share their stories. We will not only learn what they do and how they do it, but our interviews will include topics of mindset, grit, and overcoming obstacles. Get ready. Let's turn it on. Feed the machine. Welcome to a special edition of Feed the Machine. Today is June 14th. It's been kind of an incredible, crazy, wild month in America. You have social media telling you certain things. You have corporations telling you certain things. You have the government telling you certain things. We got COVID, but we also have this incredible happening inside America with police officers, black America. Today's episode is gonna be about hearing really the voices of real black Americans that are living in this. They, some are from different parts of the country. You're gonna learn a lot today. And let me walk you through who our panel is here. When I was in high school, I had a teacher named Mr. Walks, who's here with us today. He was a U.S. history teacher. He would teach school till three o'clock in the afternoon, and then he would go and suit up, and he would protect and serve here in Texas at the Alvin Police Department. He would work there until midnight, and that was every day, and we're going to get a chance to hear his point of view. I also have quite a few childhood friends that we have an older brother of one of my good friends, Sola is here, and he's been somebody who I've been able to watch what he does on Facebook, listen to his voice, and get perspective that I would otherwise not know if I just took a moment and and just listened, right? And that's what today is really about, is we're all gonna listen. Also, I have Eye Below. Iba is someone I went to school with. I don't know everything everybody's about to share. I don't know. I am not a psychic. I don't have any idea what we're going to get into today. I can just guess. And that's the beauty of what this podcast is hoping to do, which is I want to hear them talk. I want to hear what they have to say. And then with me today also, I have my little brother from the Big Brothers Big Sisters, Cameron who's 13 years old. He's been my little brother since he was eight years old. I am someone who cannot fathom that any of my friends, my little brother, our community, there's no reason for anybody not to go for a jog or to be pulled over by a police officer and things not just go perfect. It has to go perfect. So let's get this thing started. Mr. Walks, thank you for being here. I'd like to start with you. You and I know each other. I'd like you to just kind of talk about how you know me, like how we know each other, you know, your history, so people can actually believe that you have an experience, you know, of being black in America. Unfortunately, that's really a thing, by the way. I have a very close African friend that said, 
hey, Black Lives Matter, but sometimes it's not if you're from Africa, sometimes, you know, like the whole point is, is that how far do we begin to identify each other? But, but just for starters, to kick this thing off, yeah, let's just kind of go around the table and you talk about who you are and your thoughts and feelings about what you've been seeing. And, and then we're going to get this interview started. Right. As you said, we've known each other for a while. You were in my history class. And I taught at uh, the high school that you attended. And I'm from New York, and I moved down to Texas in the 80s. And I got into a situation that allowed me to wear two hats. That's teaching and law enforcement. What I've seen today with law enforcement, or even earlier than that, it's a mindset. It's a culture that's in law enforcement. And the culture is eating away at the fabric of society. It's resulting in a lot of our young black males being killed. What I think is going to be the answer to the solution, this might be shocking to you, but there's nothing short of a revolution of sorts is going to have to take place because you have a society based upon power. And it goes back to, if you allow me to just say this, it goes back to the beginning of policing in this country. And this came in the 1600s, and the original police departments in the South were called slave capturers or slave runners. And they would get paid to get to, to capture runaway slaves, bring them back to the masters or to the plantation, and they would get paid for that, but not to harm them or put them where they couldn't work because they were free labor. When the police departments banded, when after the Civil War ended and they would disband it, police departments still had the mentality of capturing blacks and putting them where they should be, so to speak. Can you just for this portion mm-hmm. tell me where you were raised? And then, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Then, I'm running. No, with, that's I'm good. Running. No, that's, it's okay. Oh, my bad. So you're gonna. So I want you to know where you were born, raised, your experience growing up, and then ultimately. Okay. Yeah, I went off. Career. I went off the rails there. That's I'm sorry. okay. You're good. Okay, I was born and raised in New York. I was born in 1950, and growing up in New York, my life was like if you ever seen the Little Rascals. We were like that. We had our own games that we played. Unlike in the South, we didn't have a lot of land. So we played in the street up against the building. We played ball, stick balls, skelsies. And it was truly a, it takes a village to raise a child. I think, you know, if you did something and your friend's parents saw you, they would chastise you or spank you or you, <laughs> you, you get it again when your parents got home. Unlike today, we have situations where, you know, you don't talk to my child, you don't tell them, or you mind your business, or, you know, you have that alienation. When I was growing up, I think I was armed with the knowledge that family is important and neighborhood is important, you know, your community is important. One other thing that we noticed when my parents used to say all the time, if something happened in the neighborhood, the first thing they would ask is, was he black, you know, or did somebody robbed, got robbed? Or is it that they would want to know the race because they felt that we had to represent the race. We were already under the gun and we had to be better and we didn't want anything to take us back. So I had that mentality, that parental mentality, that, that mentality of family coming from the North and bringing it to the South. And it was a rude awakening. It was a different environment. And then just before we kind of go through the whole panel here, you grew up in New York and moved to Texas when? or 1972, I went away to college. I went to Jarvis Christian College in East Texas. And then I uh, moved 
to Florida. And then from Florida in 1976, I graduated. I moved to Texas. I moved back to Texas. Okay. And so next guest is Sola. So Sola, tell us a little bit about like, you know, your upbringing and like your experience so far. And just for the listener to kind of understand who you are and your experience. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Sola. Also on some platforms, very G or devious charm. So my family is actually from Nigeria. I was born here the first out of five that was born here, but I'm the fourth born. So my experience was just that. I had a little bit of American influence and then I had some Nigerian influence from my parents. And so they didn't necessarily know how to translate everything that was happening here. I was born in Illinois, but shortly after that, we moved to Texas. I may have been three and we lived close to Mexico, by the border of Mexico. So I learned some Spanish there, right? So this is a lot of, just getting around a lot of cultures and, mm -hmm. and I think that that made me very open, open-minded. And then I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm the fourth born out of five, but the first born here. And so just growing up, seeing the experiences of my brothers, I remember them, you know, staying out of trouble for a little while. And then after a while, because we weren't doing very good as a family, it's hard to feed that many, mm -hmm. that many kids. So, so the fight started from being poor, you know, being talked about at school. And I remember after my first few fights in school, I was categorized as one of the bad ones. And so after that, I just kind of took that on as, okay, you know, I'm hanging out with the bad kids and I'm learning some of their stuff. And that pretty much was my experience growing up. Now, on that, during those kind of things, you see all kinds of stuff, right? You see there was race riots and, you know, in the high school, well, high school and middle school. And then a lot of run-ins with the police. And I, I guess we could talk about that later. But Yeah, we're going to get into all yeah, of it. Yeah. But that pretty much has been my experience. And then I was able to go get some experience in the state penitentiary. So I kind of just been during that trajectory of being a bad kid. And so now I'm here. I've been able to get out. I got an education while I was there. So many experiences I can pull from. Okay. Well, I can't wait to get into it. Can't wait to hear it. Iba Lowe. Yes, sir. I'm Iba. I'm also born in New York, Bronx, New York. My parents are, by the way, of Jamaica. So the panel is definitely cultural, you know, from everywhere. I know Warren from high school. I just I always remember Warren. He's the first person that I seen that just kept up with himself. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he he was on a different level than everybody else. Cause, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was always nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> always come to school with a boiled egg. Oh, that's and funny. And he would have a tub and he would always and he he'll he'll like, you know, we play football, so he would tell us like, you know, this is this is protein, you know, all that garbage stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> you know, you didn't want to put it in your body, but you know, we was young, we didn't want to hear that hamburgers, fries, all that type yeah, stuff. But that's funny. We moved from New York. It's seven of us, seven kids, my mom and dad. And you know, like Sola, you know, our parents didn't have you know, they were the first up here, so they didn't have everything figured out. They had to deal with issues themselves. And I want to interject because I, I need the listener to understand this because it's not something that's obvious to everyone. Black is black, but it's not all the same. It's not all the same. You have people that come here from Africa 
and they are not African-Americans. And you have people that come here from Trinidad. They're not African-Americans per se. And how often is it that our system teaches everyone to think if you're black, you're an African-American? I mean, I think this is a real disconnect that it's not with everyone. I mean, I can't generalize everybody, but you got to understand that there is a differentiator here. And I guess that's just what I wanted to say, because you being from Jamaica is an important fact about a lot of what we're going to talk about, because sometimes even in the black community, you have people deciphering how black you are or how if you're worthy of the protection or the, to be in the group or whatnot. And even as a white person, you come from Texas and you go to Colorado, like that's all it takes is for someone to go like, oh, they're a Texan. Like one of the things that, that I'm excited about to get into is that in this life, we get taught to identify as a thing or a person or as a athlete or whatever it is. And then it keeps, your brain just keeps wanting to identify and people want to identify you. And people, even your own family are telling you what you are and what you're not and what you're not going to be and what you could be. And it's like, I just want to, I wanted to address that, but go ahead, Iba. Sorry. I'm going to do that sometimes. And then, you know, we got into it when, you know, when we came from, uh, I'm born in New York and we identify, we still identify ourselves as Jamaican. But as we came down here, you know, you know, in the household, we speak Patois and we went to school and to speak to what Warren is saying, you're exactly right. You know, there's a difference between, African is a difference between Jamaican, even even in tongue. But when we spoke in school, like we, me and my brother speak in school, we just automatically labeled African because nobody back then nobody took the time to say, okay, with these different languages. Uh-huh. If they heard a weird speak of the tongue, and you're black, you're African. You know what I'm saying? So we went through that. We went through that, and it wasn't just white friends. It was black friends, and you know. A lot of them didn't identify with what the type of stuff that we went through when we were young, being that we were, we, you know, we had our, our Caribbean roots or, you know, African roots. And, you know, later on, I see my friends now and they went out, graduated, went out, experienced the world. And know, now, you know, you know, back then wearing dreads, you know, that's a that's a common thing in Jamaica. Back then wearing dreads is like, dread, what's that? You know, but now it's it's a common thing with everybody. Yeah. But we came down in 89. You know, went to school. All of us are still here in Houston. You know, I also have a past as far as, you know, state penitentiary. You do? Yeah. And, you know, I look back at that that situation as, you know, what situation is going on now because it definitely could have been handled differently. Iowa, you're saying that you've been in the penitentiary? Yeah. Yes, sir. So I want anyone who's listening to this to know, like, Iowa Lowe, who I know as a kid, is a smiling, he's like a smiling, happy, honest sincere, wonderful guy. Whatever I'm about to find out, whatever he's going to share, you're going to get it in real time right now. That shocks me. I mean, not not in a judgy way, mm-hmm. but just like, you know, how many of us in life, you're always looking for people with good heart. You're always looking for just light. You know, you're looking, you're trying to find good people. And for me, I feel like when I find someone that has a great heart and I know they're good people, you embrace them and you don't let them go. The rest of the a-holes that you're friends with, you know, it's great to just evolve out of those relationships. But that is really news to me. Mm. And I don't know what you're going to share about it, but that is something that is fascinating. Didn't know it. Yeah. It happened during high school. No. It happened during our senior high school. Wow. Yeah. You know, and it, I look at it now 
is like, wow, it could have been handled different. Yeah. And but when I was a kid, it was like the fear set in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We were put in a situation that we didn't know. We we were what well, you know, yeah. and we were trying to find the easiest way out, and that easy way out end up being the wrong way. So. Yes. And I get it. And I can't wait to talk about that because yeah, I even have my own experiences to share. And then final guest of the day is my little brother, Cameron. Cameron is 13. I'm going to let him just kind of introduce himself, say a few things. And then I'm going to, I'm going to position this interview to start. And it's going to be really, we're going to address things in two parts. So meet Cameron real quick, and then I will walk you through how this interview is going to go. Uh, so yeah, like Warren said, I'm Cameron. I'm originally born in Louisiana, but we moved here like around 2011. So I, I guess I'm born in Louisiana, raised in Texas. Unlike the other three, I grew up in a single household, well, a single parent household, which is my mom. And my dad don't have the best relationship, but we do have, you know, a connection, which is a good thing. But growing up, really, it was really just like my mom. And so like now, me being older, I kind of understand why we didn't maybe we didn't have like the best of like the top notch Jordans or this, that, and the third was because it was just is a two two kids and then one mom, and then when we got here, like like everybody else, you know, you got here. My mom was the first, well, the second family member out of my family to move here, and so it was like we didn't really have everything. And so my mom did everything she could to provide for us. And, you know, she bent over backwards plenty of times to make sure that we had. And so for me, I'm not, obviously, I'm not growing yet. I'm still in school. And so just a little bit of life experience that I have had have been with everything going on, you know, social medias. Most kids have social medias, Instagrams, Twitter, whatever, YouTube. You just see all this stuff and it just makes you think about everything. You just like, like why? Like why is this happening to people of color, or why is this happening to Black people, African Americans? And so, my biggest fear, honestly, is to have a run-in with a police officer. You know, and I, I don't want to be like I say the wrong thing, and now my mom doesn't ever see me, but she has to bury me before you know my time has actually came. And so, honestly, like a fear that I've always grown up with from just. You know, not experiencing stuff, but seeing stuff, watching stuff news-wise and all that was honestly, like, I don't want to die young. You know, I want to be able to experience my life. You know, I don't want to die from post-retality. Like, it's why? Why should I have to die to something like that when I, you know, just can experience life and die from maybe an old age or a sickness or something like that? I don't want my life to be cut short because of something so small, like sleeping in the car or, like, taking the jog. So that's my like my point of view on this whole situation, honestly. Thank you, Cameron. Very good. Great introduction to this episode. The point I think that this has established is we've got diversity within diversity, right? And we're going to get into this. Now, here's how the interview is going to work. I got to slice the onion before we can get to slicing mangoes, okay? So we got to talk about the reality of what is happening right now. I have to sit here and encourage this panel to tell me like their story of where, because they are black, whether it's from Jamaica or Africa or Trinidad or New York City or Louisiana, where does that impact them that someone like me might not know, right? As someone who's white in color, 
You know, when I go to a restaurant and something doesn't go right, my toast isn't right, or I'm waiting forever for the waiter, I have to figure out why did that happen. If I go to Nordstrom's and I'm wearing certain clothes and I can't get anyone to help me look at purses or whatever, you're always trying to figure out why is this person treating me like crap, right? I mean, we all do that. We all get treated like crap, everybody. But at the same time, with what's gone on, with George Floyd and this list of what's happening with these, I got to call them murders, the killings of African-Americans, blacks. I don't really even, I don't know all that data. I just know I see it. I know it happens. I know that I try my best to try to figure out, could it have been avoided? Like, is it because of the way they're getting arrested? Like, are people putting their hands on the steering wheel? Are they struggling? Like, I always am trying to figure out what is this? Because I'd like to believe that as humans, that we all have empathy and we would never want to hurt someone. And as quickly as I want to think that, you know, the George Floyd video is a perfect example. I'm going like, how the fuck did nobody realize like this is wrong? How did nobody that's sitting there seeing this want to just shove this asshole over and make him stop what was going on? And I don't know the answer to that. It surprises me. And I know at the same time, that if I was there, I would be so struggling with how would I not interact? And that is something that bothers me. It's something that it makes me want to go like, is it just like, is it a genetic trait where people don't have empathy? Does the whole world not really want love and peace and care? And, and then as again, as a white person that I'm a big brother, you know, the black experience, you know, for me, It's like when Cameron became my little brother five years ago, just going to the store and trying to find him a superhero figure. You know, like you don't, all the white people, you got Spider-Man, you got Superman, you got all these things. There's something so much going on that today will be about police and, and what we can do to make life better. But it's also about... Think Back to the Future, right? Everybody's got a great movie about Back to the Future. What happens when Marty's neighborhood goes bad? Okay, who's the guy swinging the bat at him in his bedroom? You know, think about it. Think about it. And think about like, like what we're going to get into. And I'm about, I'm about to get this interview started. I'm sorry. But it's like there is so much. There's so, there's so many minute hallways of prejudice and racism. And it's drip, drip, drip. And you might not know it. And today I'm hoping you at least will get a taste of it. I can't, I know this is just too big of a subject and there's not enough time, but you're going to get a taste of it. And so with that, Mr. Walks, let's just start off with what did you think about everything? Like, let's talk about police brutality and like, just like this week and like what you've seen, we've seen George Floyd pass away. We've buried him, right? We've seen him get buried. We've seen the looting. We've seen the protesting. We see these police officers were arrested. Like, just take me down your path of thought as a retired police officer and educator. Tell me what you think. And have you ever had an experience with law or have you ever had a police officer target you? I'll stay on the rails and I'll tell you for sure with those. What I've been seeing lately, what's been happening with police and the black community, it sickens me. It sickens me. They're taking the life of innocent people, people that might have done something that's not worthy of you being an executioner and taking their life. What has happened is that you see, as I call it, a culture emerging that protects them, that has a plan to eradicate 
young black males. It's in the mix. It's just the plan. You know, you can think different, but that's the plan. When you get stopped and you're black, they say that officer doesn't know you. Well, I've approached cars and I've been surprised. I've had guns pulled. I've been in a situation that I didn't know if I was going to make it home that night. I was by myself in an area of town. A car had, was speeding. I caught up with the car, and the guy, as soon as I got to his car, it was about 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. He had a shotgun. He pulled it out. I almost crapped my pants, man. All right. A police officer? A police officer? No, this was, this was, these a civilian. Were, these were kids. Kids. These were kids in a stolen car. What happens in this country with the police in the community is that you have a power structure. And I said earlier that it's going to take a revolution of sorts. When you have power, once you have the power and you have a taste of it, you, you'll die rather than give it up. And you have what's going on now. You have a structure that's elating this power and it's saying that it's not going to share the power. You're going to keep an underclass. You're going to keep the minorities where they are. They're not going to prosper. And this is coming from the head of the government of a country that's wealthy, but you feel it's got the right now. They have the right to speak out and say what they want to say because their leader approves it. He's leading by example. If I, I have two daughters, they're involved, they're, they're woke, they're woke, especially the oldest one. She just spoke at a rally, a Black Lives Rally, last week. My fear is that they will target, they will target voices that are talking about change, that are bringing about change, and they'll have something in store that's not so nice for them. Males, we've been conditioned, we've been demonized, we've been put as a threat. We are told that we're not as good, we're not equal to people economically, socially, we're of a lower intelligence. And when you tell somebody that long enough, they develop what's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. They believe that, and then you have law enforcement enforcing that. I got stopped in Sugarland, coming home from school, getting ready to go to job number two. And the car, you remember the car I used to drive? I had that red Audi 5000. Yeah, red Audi. Okay. And job number two for everyone, I just want to remind you, this means he's going from his career as an educator at the high school to his role as a police officer in a, one of the towns outside of Houston. And I was coming out of Voss Drive, getting onto Highway 6. I'm going down First Colony, and a sheriff's deputy car was coming the opposite way. And we locked eyes. I wasn't speeding. He looked at me, and he turned around. And I thought maybe it was somebody that I knew. You know, he got behind me, and he just followed me. So I said, okay, he's running me. I know the routine. So I made sure I stayed at speed limit. Then he lit me up. And I said, okay, I pulled into one of the parking lots of the stores, the storefronts over here. He gets out the car, and he's big, big white officer, gentleman. He pulls his gun belt up, and he has his hand on his gun, and he approaches my car. I put my hands on the steering wheel, and I had the window down so he could see. He looks in the car, he tells me, get out the car. He didn't ask for my ID or anything. He said, get out the car. So I asked him why. He said, don't question me, just get out the car. So I said, okay, I'll get out the car. So he said, you got drugs in the car? I said, no. 
He said, where are you going? I said, I'm heading home. He said, where are you coming from? I said, I'm coming from work. He says, open that trunk. I said, I'm not going to open the trunk. He, he said, he used the N-word. He said, nigga, open the trunk. I said, I'm a police officer. He said, yeah, and I'm the Pope. He said, I'm going to, and he took his gun out of his holster. Now people, the school buses are going by, people are stopping, you know, they're driving, the traffic is backing up. I said, my ID is in the glove compartment. I said, I have a weapon in there, in my bag, my book bag. He called for backup. Now, I'm, in, I'm, I'm angry now, I'm angry. But to show you how the system works, though, against you, when he saw my ID and my weapon, he said, why didn't you tell me this? He says, how is it is you got me out here? He says, she told me this in the beginning. I said, get a supervisor out here, man. He said, what for? I said, get a supervisor. I want to file a complaint with your supervisor. Supervisor came, and I'll try and make this quick as possible. Supervisor came. It was worse than him. It was worse than him. He says, they went to the back. He told me to stay where I was at. They went to the back. So he's telling him the story. And they wanted me to be out of earshot. So what he told them. He says, well, you understand that you work the streets, you know how it is. Look at your car. I mean, it looks like a drug dealer's car. And he told me that the car fit the description. That's why he stopped me. You know, that's why he stopped me. I asked him, I said, let me see the hot sheet. He says, what? I said, you got a hot sheet at shift this morning about a car and the make. Let me see. It should be on your visor. He said, let me see this. He said, oh, come on now. Come on. You going to play this game with me? I said, you profiled me. You stopped me because I'm driving a car. It looks like a drug dealer's car to you. So I told him, he gave me back my stuff and said, this is a done deal with you. I would support my officer. It could have gone sideways. Just consider it a good day. I went home, went to my agency, told my chief. My chief called up there. He said, walk. He said, sit outside the office. But I could hear him through the door. He lit into him. He said, that's one of my good officers. He said, you stopped him and... I said, what are you doing up there? They knew each other. You know, the chiefs, the chiefs know each other. He said, well, I want a letter of apology for him, and I want a suspension of him. So this guy was suspended. When he told me, he told me, walks, everything's all right. He said, you didn't do anything wrong. Wow. Every day that I come out of school, there was a sheriff's deputy's car that would follow me all the way to Arcola. If I had done anything like turn lanes without putting on the blinker, they were ready to stop me. They would park outside of school. When school was out, I'd park in the horseshoe, you know, in front of the horseshoe of the school. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd park in the teacher's lot, but sometimes I get to school a little late and I park there. They had a sheriff's deputy waiting there at the front of the school. He just followed me just to harass me. All right, now the fact that I carry a badge, that everybody doesn't carry a badge. What about you or the regular person? You're going to jail or you're going to be forced to do something that you don't have to do. You don't have to, he has to have probable cause to see, make you open your trunk. You don't have to get out your car. You didn't do anything. But if he's there, you're, you're going to obey what he wants you to do. He's going to have the thing, the intimidation factor. He's going to want you to respect him and fear him, or else you're going to go to jail. My thing about that, my thing in law enforcement is to do community policing and be an asset to the community. Now, you have some people that's not going to let you do your job right. But when you become a target, there's nothing you can do except take it. And this country is on its way to just, you know, to just abusing that authority. Well, I would like to believe, you know, I mean, I just have to believe that this is 
a minority of police officers. There's millions of police officers and there's got to, you know, if there's a small percentage that are bad, I mean, I don't know what word to use. Yeah, you have you have a lot, you have a percentage of about 90, 98, 99, 99% of police are good police. Okay, so everybody hear that, right? It's important to say because here's what's going to like it's like what we're talking about is that one, two, or whatever the percent. I don't know what the percentage truly is, but like your estimate is that. But in the black community and to black males, that percentage is high because that's who their contacts are. Their run-ins are mostly with white officers who pretty much want to see what they can find to incarcerate them. Hmm. That's the mindset. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I, I don't want to dig into anything because we, we're going to go around the table, but there's a lot there. And I know later in the interview, I will ask about, you know, the interactions with a police officer being, you know, as being pulled over and whatnot. But Sola, I'd like you to take on the question. I don't know if you need me to repeat it or if you're good with it. No, please repeat it. So basically, you know, we've seen George Floyd, what happened with him. We know that, I mean, there's just no arguing the video. You've seen his funeral take place, the looting, the protesting, change is being talked about. Talk about your experience with law enforcement or what you've noticed or, you know, things that just maybe just straight up how you feel about everything you've seen and like how it affected you. And like right now, like what is, what is at the top of your mind with everything that's gone on over the last few weeks? So it's news now. However, growing up, this has always been the thing. When we were growing up, you saw a lot of prejudice. That's what we would call it. We would call it prejudice. You would see an officer deal with you a certain way because he would judge you before getting to know you. So a lot of it has to do with ignorance. And then obviously there's some deep-rooted hate. Now, you know, you're seeing these things happen. I believe another black man was gunned down in Atlanta just recently. So these things keep happening. And again, it comes from hate and it comes from ignorance. One of the main things I wanted to share is that if I've been lied to all my life about something, because, you know, some people will look at that and say, well, he shouldn't have done this or he should have done that or he shouldn't have done this or he should have done that. The reason why you're seeing people react a certain way is because of a lack of respect. You're telling me that you're an authority figure and you're telling me to obey the law, but you break the law every day and you lie every day. But you're telling me to be honest and you're telling me to get in my place. So when I look at that, it's, oh, do as I say and not as I do, get in your place. As if I'm a grown up, but you're treating me like you're some kind of a parent over me with your authority and so that of course is going to get somebody to act a little bit more belligerent because I do not respect you I do not trust you I've had situations with with officers because there's a difference let me say something about good cop and a bad cop when you go to the precinct or you know a police station the meaning of good cop is different than in the community what a good cop is so he might try to take the position of a good cop like somebody who's out here fighting crime. And it only looks like you're fighting crime if you're bringing in criminals or if you're bringing in or you're stopping certain things. Well, what happens if you look like a good cop in the precinct, but in reality, you're planting things on people, which happened to me, 
or you're beating people up and getting them to confess the things that they didn't really do. He looks like a good cop. What if that's one of the 90% of the people who are mm-hmm. supposedly good cops because they're out here seemingly doing the right thing? So that's, you know, that's an interesting topic, which is how much could be stealthily going on, right? Because the idea would be if, you know, like while we respect a lot of police officers, the idea would be how many are doing these different activities that as a black person, it's almost like there's enough information where you're going like, we know this kind of shenanigans exists and you just, it's like Russian roulette. You get pulled over. You don't know if you've got, are you in a good spot? Like, can you just play by the rules or, or whatnot? Can I ask you about, you, you mentioned about when a police officer pulls you over the, the respect and whatnot, like when you're pulled over just in general, like I get tickets and stuff and like my, like what I do is like, I, I roll my window down. I like, and I don't even know why. I don't know if like maybe walks. I don't know if you told me to do, I just kind of, somebody told me to like hold the steering wheel and like make sure they could see my hands, you know. Uh, The evening that you came over and we was talking about some elements to things. And I told you to hold your steering wheel like that so they could see your hands at night. Yeah, it was like it's almost like, hey, there's this etiquette like to make sure that the cop feels comfortable or whatever. But I'm I'm not bringing that up as anything critical. I just want to know, like, like, would you say that on in the most part, if you were pulled over, you're doing the same thing as far as like it's like you're being calm and cool. Or. Yeah, when I get pulled over, see, I, I would consider myself a professional pull over. Yeah, I, well, I've been dealing with officers since I was 11 years old, going to juvenile and, and stuff like that. So I understand what I'm up against. It's, you know, it's no secret to me. That doesn't mean that it's right. You know what I mean? I shouldn't, if you're saying here I am a peace officer and I'm here to serve and protect, then I shouldn't have to go out of my way for you to feel safe. I'm supposed to feel safe. You mm-hmm. understand? I'm supposed to feel safe. Not the other way around. So when an officer has his hand already on his gun and now I'm supposed to perfectly do everything that mm-hmm. we know, we don't go through training. Imagine no, I know, civilian training. Like, yes. Imagine yeah. that having to go through civilian yeah. training. Yeah. Just so that you don't get killed. So, but however, yeah, I've, I've ran into a, a Well, there's of- just there's going to be voices that say, look, if everybody was just cool and calm, none of this would ha-. I'm just saying this is what right. this is I the this is the thing is like how much responsibility are we to be pulled over and make sure that that police officer is not worried about us having a gun or not. You know, it's just like, you know, and I, I can't ask it yet, but I'll get to it. But it's like, as Mr. Walks talks about his experience, he's a police officer and there were certain things that were requested that he didn't do. Not, not that that would allow for anyone to use the N word or there's the, I am not saying that at all. I'm just interested to find out what is the, you know, what is and we'll get into this. What is the proper way to be pulled over and the way that, you know, like how do we know we're doing all the things set the right way that we don't know? Right. No. Yeah. That's a good point. Like, so if everybody has different personalities, I've ran into officers who may be having a bad day. Right. And and you have to be able to give some kind of leeway for that, that man or mm-hmm. that, or that lady. If they're having a bad day, Fine. Like we can work with that, but just talk to, you know, talk to me. Some officers say, Hey, today's not the day. And you know what? You know what I do? I don't give them any smart lip, you know, cause usually I'm, I'm real coy with the, with the officers. 
I'll talk noise. You know, I do, mm-hmm. I do, I do. I don't, I don't come off as a threat, but I'll, you know, I'll talk noise and I'll let them know you're dealing with a little bit of intelligence here, at least. Mm-hmm. And you got to show some respect to me, and I'll, I'll go ahead and show you some respect too. But I do understand that you're an officer of the law. You have a badge. So I'm not going to do anything that's going to cause you to feel like you need to take my life. I haven't done yet. You know what I mean? So I, mm-hmm. I made it to 39. And so, but I, I get it. I get the people who are watching these videos are saying, well, if he just didn't, and if he just would have, right? That's a good point, right? That's a good something to look at in 2020. You're looking back in hindsight. You say, well, if he just would have, and you're probably right. That man probably would have lived, but how many times has he just had to do that in this one time, not knowing how his day went? And this one time, he slipped up and it cost him his life, something that wasn't worthy of death. Mm. So it may seem like we don't hear that, like, oh, we just don't hear the the logical statements that they're saying, well, if he just would have or if he just wouldn't have. Mm. Yeah, that's probably true, but why should it be that or our lives? Well, I think we all want it to just be where everything works out we want it to be where okay you're speeding and because the speeding or whatever the altercation is you want it to be at the point that the police officer and the civilian are interacting you just want mutual calm and cool like kindness empathy like okay like this is it's almost like you know, for a car accident to, accident to happen, you almost need two people to not notice what's happening. You know, sometimes you could be a defensive driver and avoid something. I mean, I, I don't know how to put it, but it's like in a perfect world and, and, and it shouldn't be that hard to make it perfect. Just everybody's being nice and they're not, there's not like an undercurring racism or going, I mean, that, to hear that the idea that people are hunt, you know, like creating drama it doesn't work. Like that's not going to work for society. And that that's where this out, like th- that's where things are going so wrong. Right. I mean, well, my question to you is why, why should we be nice? Right. That doesn't have anything to do with this traffic stop. Me being nice. Yeah. Right. You stop me. I don't like the fact that I'm, I've now I got to deal with an infraction. So why should mm-hmm. I be nice? Do I owe that to you? Right. As an officer, do I owe that to you or can we just get this over with? Right. Mm-hmm. Just like anybody gets pulled over. I was <laughs> the reason I'm speeding. I got to get somewhere. Yeah. I'm on my way to something. You stop me. I don't want to do small talk because now you start asking me where you headed. What is that? I'm speeding. Okay. Give me my speeding ticket. Yeah. Well, I just want to know where you're headed. Then you start telling me this bull crap about a, about a description. You're lying. Now you want me to still respect you. You're lying. See, what's happening is they insult your intelligence. I see. So this is good information. So what happens is for you or for, I mean, what's happening is that because of whether it's prior events or you hear stories from your friends or whatever, I mean, this could be anybody, but it's almost like the pecking of the information creates, now your response is changing because your defenses are up. And now we have this reciprocating madness almost like it's it's right correct let me point something out though yeah all my dealings with fair officers you ain't got to be a good cop just fair if you're fair man it's golden it's gonna happen just like you need it to happen i guarantee you if you're fair but if you start you see we've seen images and people say that we're monkeys right like we're a subspecies so whenever we hear that in the tone we're you have to understand we're intelligent, right? It's not like just you're just looking at people and they're like, oh, this whole 
group of people don't have sense. We have sense. We can hear you being condescending towards us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're showing a huge, great deal of disrespect, and that's not going to go over well. So mm-hmm. now you keep doing it. Like, you're you're still doing it. And then some of you officers, like, bro, I was in a cop car, and he was writing down his report in, in the computer, and I, and I, had, I was telling him, like, you spelled that wrong. And... <laughs> He got really upset and shut the computer and he's like, you shut the, you know. Yeah. And and but basically just wants me to stay in my place. What place is that? You yeah. understand what I'm saying? I do, what I do. What place is that? So a lot of this like back and forth happens when somebody's being treated unfairly and nobody likes to be treated unfairly. Mm. You understand? This unreasonable treatment. So those are the things that we're really trying to address is that, hey, can you make this thing to where it makes sense? Mm. And if it doesn't make sense, you're going to continue having this. And it could be like these little like mouse traps or whatever you want to call them, like these little things that in your experience, you're just kind of, you've got like a sequence of like five or six, I'm just, you know, basically paraphrasing, but there's four or five different things that they could interact with you to create more, maybe trouble for you is what your concern is, which then as a black male, you're noticing that your demeanor changes and then now it's like the beginning of the altercation. And it's interesting because I think for anyone listening to this, like to me, what's fascinating is that you have two sets of history, right? You have stories and news that are outside of your own life that you just know are out there. And if you're black and you're in America, there's plenty to read about, about you know factual cases of discrimination and not being just like everyone else in terms of laws. And it's just a fact. You can read the, this is what common knowledge. But then there's the history of your personal history, which is, Sola, even if one time you were pulled over and somebody did this thing to you, this this idea of trapping you and creating hell for you, like in the what should be a routine traffic stop, it creates, now you can't go down the path the same as you would have, Otherwise, like your own personal responding to being pulled over, you can't help but have this memory, this knowingness of what you've experienced before and you're trying to protect yourself. But whether it's working out for you or not, it's just like it's happening. It's your real, true experience. Yeah, absolutely. I would also say, you know, there's a lot of ignorance that we deal with. That's, you know, racism comes from a lot of that. I remember when I was growing up, I heard the term Indian but it was used for two groups of people. And it was very confusing for me. You know, I'm talking about six, seven years old. Very confusing. But is it the Indian from India? Is it their responsibility for me to learn the difference? Mm. Is it the Native American's job for me to learn the difference? No, it's, it's up to me whether I want to become educated on what's really going on or not. And so more times than than not, People are are using their ignorances and their stereotypes to assess a matter and then expecting for it to be us, right? It's on us for everybody to understand what's going on. It's not my job to educate you on the black experience. It is your job if you want. You don't have to, but if you want to, right? If you want things to go smooth, let's learn about one another. Mm. We've had to learn all this history. We've had to learn so much stuff. And, and a lot of it has been lies. So you're seeing like these statues come down Columbus and, and you know, all these different things are happening because we've been lied to a lot. Just case in point, 
I learned in, in college where the whole term white and black even generated from. Because as I look at myself, there's not, I don't have black on me anywhere, except for like maybe some hair follicles. But I'm not, this is not black. I don't see anybody black in mm-hmm. here. Right. And then as I look at you, I don't see white. Mm-hmm. So at home, I teach my daughters, you know, there's pink and there's brown. And that sounds like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> right. But your shirt is white. Right. You're not white. Right. Now, this whole idea of white and black was white is pure and it's clean yeah. and it's righteous and then black is evil and it's dirty. And it's, and so we got to live with that. Mm-hmm. And then you call an individual a minority. Can you imagine? You've, I don't know if you've yeah. ever had to fathom us being called minority since we were little until now. You're a mm-hmm. minority. Is that positive? No, I do. You know, I, you know, my mom, so I'm just going to share a little something because you don't know, but it's like my mom is like Swedish Norwegian, like mm-hmm. that's her background, but she was adopted by a European Jewish family and grew up in Texas. And so she has these experiences having these Orthodox, you know, Jewish parents and hearing the language being spoken and here she's blonde hair, blue eyes. She's an outsider, you know, theoretically, you know, like if they're just judging her. But, you know, when I think about this majority, minority, and then in addition to that, you know, we're kind of being forced to talk about black America, right? But you and I have Indian friends that are close friends, right? We have Chinese friends. Like we have so, there's so many different supposedly minorities that we need everyone to be treated right right we need everyone to be treated correctly but at the same time there's this epidemic you know there's this thing that that we're all hoping to just add a little understanding but listen what you've shared so far i've never sat and tried to ponder why someone who's black when they get pulled over would feel like oh you know i don't know how to describe it but it's like i get pulled over and i'm always thinking like i'm gonna be super nice and i might get lucky i have been pulled over too where i just know it's all like you know where you're just kind of irritated that you got pulled over and you do just want it to just hurry up and go because you even if you're guilty you're just going like okay i did it i just i really do have somewhere to go or whatever so there's this thing where you don't you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't but you know but it's the it's the way it is so it's like yes here's my insurance you know like there's all these little things so Interesting to hear that. I think a lot of people who hear this and just take a moment to just absorb that experience, I think is is important. And this is why we're here. So, and I can already tell, like, this is going to be a, we could do this for eight hours. We could do this for 24 hours if we wanted to. But anyway, these are the things that I think need to be heard. And I think it's important to be considered. And then people can have feedback. They can form their opinion and we can dive into it even more. So I have a question for you like so let's just talk about it the right the response right from the george floyd thing you know is it appropriate man that video was outraging and i can't wait to kind of hear what your what your take is on you know how you felt this last few weeks what you've noticed you know we have we have this online thing that goes on where people are you know, responding and driving memes and trying to tell everybody what everybody thinks and then also your experience with law enforcement, those two things would be what I'd like you to kind of walk us through. As far as my, my opinion on everything that's going on, man, it's like I had mixed opinions, the looting, the rioting. I was one like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, and, you know, we learn. I watch stuff. I, you know, I listen to stuff. I listen to other people's opinion. And that's that's key, listening. 
like I said at first, I was like looting and the rioting and all all that was, you know, it's unnecessary. I gonna protest, protest peacefully. But you know, you look at anger, and there's a lot of stuff that processes with anger. And that's where that looting and that rioting is coming from. And you can't you can't separate it. it it's gonna come together. So we say that we're tired of it and, and you know what I'm saying, we hate it. Every day is like a, a big weight on our shoulders going out and knowing that, hey. First, you know, especially in Houston, first, you got to go out and, you know, if you don't have no car, you got to go to walk to the store. You got to go get mama's milk and whatever, whatnot. First, it's hot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> first of all, it's hot and nobody, you know, I want to go and want to come back. Second, we have to wear that weight on if we get stopped. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you have people who got passed and you got people that are conditioned to be scared of the police. You know what I'm saying? And for me, you know, Sola, the way Sola is, he's like, hey, let's go. Me, I'm more relaxed. When the police officer stopped me, oh, yes, I know I want to avoid things. You know what I'm saying? Did I speed? Okay, I sped. License registration. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? And I give him that respect because I don't want that. I don't need that. You know what I'm saying? So for me to be combative with him, and I'm not saying Sola's combative with him. I'm just saying for me to be combative with him, like, well, why you stop me? Now I'm asking questions to him. He's going to ask questions and, and it's boiling to something than just, here's your ticket, go on. You know what I'm saying? So everything that's happened to me, like I said, I have mixed feelings on it. I have, I see where it's, you know what I'm saying? It's needed. And I see where it's like, why? You know what I'm saying? Why? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I seen, today I seen a lady, a black lady, and her business was vandalized. You know what I'm saying? And she directly, like, she went straight for Black Lives Matter. And I've seen clips of, like, Black Lives Matter's protests, and they don't vandalize. I mean, I don't know what her thinking was. I'm like, okay, Black Lives Matter didn't vandalize your property. The looters and the rioters did. So now what they're doing is they're trying to force to say that Black Lives Matter is the whole, anybody that's out there is Black Lives Matter. And it goes back to identifying everything. Right, it's right. like the more we identify, 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 the more we can just pinpoint everything happening because of our identity. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, we're like we definitely need everybody to be treated. I mean, it's almost like, again, it's like it's this elusive kind of thing right. where, where on one hand, we have Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I look in the audience of those protesters. I saw a lot of white faces, which mm-hmm. I want to get into that too. That's, yeah, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give yeah. you my take on like okay. the all lives matter, and yes. my, my take on that is like, let's take a school bus. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the driver of the school bus. That's our political leaders. You know what I'm saying? You know, and in America, to me, everybody wants to push forward. Forget about the problems. Push forward. Push forward. You know what I'm saying? I want to be progressive. Now, that doesn't excuse anybody because you do have like hateful people that that are pushing all lives matter. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they're the ones in front of all lives matter, but you have hateful people that, oh, I'm a racist, but all lives matter is against Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter. So I'm going to use their, you know what I'm saying, their quotes and their sayings sure. against them. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So but I take it, I look at it like a school bus and you know, you know, you have whites in the front, blacks in the back, everybody else in between. And some people that do All Lives Matter, I look at them like, you know, they want to push forward. They want to think positivity. They don't want to think about negative things. They don't want to think about what's going on with anybody else. They just want to push forward. They're not racist. They don't want to go against anybody. 
They just want to push forward. You got everybody else in between, and again, blacks are in the back. Now, if everybody's looking forward and not thinking about anybody in the back, how do they know black lives matter? They don't see nothing going on with black lives because they're facing forward. But that hatch door is open, and you got some black people hanging out. Well, I'd like to think that if all lives matter, if we could solve what's going on with black lives, we could get it all right. Right, but it's, that's what I'm saying. The system is forcing you not to look at what's going on with black lives. Mm. It forcing you not to look back in the back of the bus like, oh, wait, 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 bus driver, stop. You know what I'm saying? Some people mm. are falling out that bus, mm. so we got to stop. And we got to make sure they're in here so that all lives can matter. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But if they're facing forward and they're not too busy looking in the back what's going on, and we as black people, we see everything's going on because we in the back. We see every race and see what everything is going on. If, and, and we're at every function. If it's something doing with Spanish and you're doing something wrong with Spanish, we're there. Chinese, everything, because we're in the back of the bus and we see what's going on. We're able to stop them and hold them and say, hey, you ain't going to fall out. But there's nobody there to stop us and hold on to us to say, hey, you're about to fall out. Let me help you. So this is, this is an interesting thought because as I listen to you, it's like you're basically saying, if we get the blacks right, like if we can just make sure that from a policing standpoint, that when somebody gets pulled over, that there is a certain kind of way that it goes, right? And I'm not opposed to like, you know, to me, my thing is, is that whatever the responsibilities are, if no one has ever thought of this, like as if no one has ever gone like, hey, we really need to like just like we get our driver's license, in a way, we all need to have like this expectation of how our interactions with law enforcement go on both sides, right? We just have to do that. But if we get it right, if we were to get it right, like what you're saying, every part of the spectrum would be treated, whether whether you're black, you know, brown, yellow, whatever the color you want to pink, whatever, we could get it right. And to me, like what I'm hearing too is like, if no matter where you are, whether you're white or black, and I want to ask you, because I just, I feel like there's been a lot of white voices recently. Mm-hmm. Would you say that? Would you, am oh, I wrong I, about I that? say it all the time, man. The conversation is different this time around. You know what I'm saying? And I, I also post, because what happens is, man, we have, we have an outlook on these, these, these young kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, the generation is going down. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because they do so much, but... These young kids are real resilient. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? These young kids are not standing for what we didn't stand for, how we stood back then. Yeah. They're standing up for more. They feel the rights that everybody else have, not just blacks, anybody. Yeah. The rights that everybody have, everybody should have. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't give it, then we're going to take it. It's a different type of time, man, and they're resilient in yeah. what they're doing. And it's not like you're saying just black youth. You're saying that overall your perception right now is that you, like the younger generations right now are actually a little more open-minded, oh, a little yeah. more, you know, a lot more evolved. Definitely. You don't think? No, I do. I do. Yeah. You know, where I sit though, where I sit is I just go like, this entire conversation is about me not knowing, you know, mm-hmm. like I gotta, I, you know, anything that I would want to assume, I want to conclude nothing. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to just be open to the fact that, you know, what you guys are talking about, we have to consider that a lot of people have never heard. And it's interesting because I'm, you know, about to kick it over to Cameron and Cameron, I don't know if you already know what I have a feeling you're going to bring up, but he was telling me about how he relates to white people versus black people. Mm. 
I'm not baiting you, Cameron, but I guess I kind of am. I just feel like it really goes with what I was saying. Before we go to Cameron, I just want to make sure you, if you conclude whatever thought you have. Well, you- I wanted to go into my experience with, with police officers, especially back. It was high school with our, um, you know, it was me and four other people, including my brother. So I'm imagining like a sweet Iva. Am I wrong to do that? Like no, the sweet no, Iva? No, that's- no, not at all. I'm me. I'm I'm listening. I'm the calmer. You know what I'm saying? I have yeah. me and Sola and Sola's family. It's four of them and it's four of us. And we grew up with each other. We didn't go to we didn't go to Sugarland Elementary. We went to Kempner with each other and we brought our family into his family. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So we grew up with each other. And a lot of these tales that he's telling it, it includes us. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. We, we were there. But no, I'm a calmer. I'm the yeah. calm. I'm, I'm the guy. Well, that's I what I, so like that's so I, I want understanding. Yeah, I want to hear the story, but I just want to say like if you're a freshman in high school, you've got your friends and they're smiling and they, they're good people and they're fun to talk to and no one is just like malicious. Mm-hmm. That's my memory of you. Right, right. Okay? And, and I'm that person, man. It's just. So tell so, but we all make mistakes, right? And yeah. but so I don't know what the story is, but please don't I'll, let me interrupt I'll let you, you. I'll let you, you know what I'm saying, kind of decide. So what happened was, you know, and I look at my mom and I told my son this story solo when you when we talked, you know what I'm saying? You said, Have you talked to him about, you know what I'm saying? And I told him the story. And you know, I was trying to let him know, like, you know, don't do things and pay attention to what people are telling you. So my mom, it was Halloween, my mom told me and my brother, me and my brother were going out. We were going out and, and grabbed a couple of guys. We were going to go trick-or-treating. So we went. My mom said, I don't think y'all should go. We went anyway. You know what I'm saying? So we jumped in the car. We went. You know what I'm saying? She didn't tell us like, hey, you're not going. She said, I don't think you should go. But you're going to go, go. So we went. Pheasant Creek. Went to Pheasant Creek. And it was five of us. Four 17-year-olds and one 16-year-old. So... One 16-year-old, you know, we walking. We got out of the car, parked the car. We were walking. When we were walking, you know, we seen some people that we knew, you know what I'm saying, and some other people that we didn't know. So the 16-year-old, which is bigger than all of us, you know what I'm saying, he was swole, but you know what I'm saying, with our friend. He happened to take a mask from one of the, you know what I'm saying, one of our, like, schoolmate, I would say. I think they were, like, two grades below us. And he took the mask, you know what I'm saying. Like I said, I'm the calmer. I'm one of the oldest ones there, so I like to keep. My brother and everybody protected. I'm always like that when I go to clubs, when I do everything. So I seen him take the mask from the kid. And when he took the mask, you know what I'm saying? He was, you know, it's mine. It's my mask. I'm like, hey, give him back his mask. So we end up giving him back his mask. Cool. We move on. We move on. And when we move on, someone else was walking. He had a Grim Reaper outfit on. Had a Grim Reaper outfit on. Same big dude. You know what I'm saying? Took his sickle, took his sickle from him. We turn around, hey, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's not, you know, it's always say always three side stories. Uh, sure. I, I like to get everything correct. If anybody could tell the different, then yeah. so what? You know no, you're doing a great but job. The person he took it from charged him, you know what I'm saying? And he hit him with the sickle. He hit him with the sickle. So when he hit him with the sickle, you know what I'm saying? Hey, what are you doing? We all book. We all book. Get the Jeep. So, so the so the Grim Reaper, yeah, who's getting a little bit bullied or whatever, just playfully yeah. bullied. Yeah, you know, we all get punked, right? right. I mean, I have been, right, you know, and we all punk sometimes, right? Okay, the Grim Reaper 
does release this little tool that he's got, or he who hits who? I just well, want to clarify. Grim Reaper. Well, our friend did get the get grab the grab the sickle from him. Yeah, and when he grabbed the sickle from him, Grim Reaper comes and he's going to like do a football yeah, tackle. He wants his he wants the yeah. sickle back. Okay, but instead of that, he gets hit with the sickle. Yeah. So when he did that, and we're not we're not like you know I don't want to say like okay this is where it happened. No. Everybody's circling them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We're yeah. at we're here. Yeah. And. The incident happened yeah, there. Yeah, you're so, marching along. Right. So when we turn around and we're like, yo, yeah. what are you doing? And we yeah. we both, we all run. We all run to the car. We get in the car. And we go to yeah. a different area. Yeah. Now, this is where it comes in with the police because it was two different type of cops that came on the scene. They pull us over. When they pull us over, the first cop pulled us over. And, you know, I would say he's the fair one. You know what I'm saying? He was fair because he's like, hey, guys, you know, how y'all doing? Is everything okay? Like, we're like, yeah. Everything's fine. They say, okay, you know what I'm saying? I'm just checking on you guys, make sure you're all right. So when that happens, before he leaves, another cop pulls around the corner, jumps out, and he's hot-headed because you can hear him. That's them. That's them. That's them. Hold them right there. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? So, you know, came back to us about the incident and me and my brother off top, you know, like, yo, I don't know what you're talking about. Four of us said, we don't know what you're talking about, yeah. but it came down to that one. And he was like, okay, okay. You know what I mean? We was there, but we didn't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? So that just, everything that we just said is out the door. Yeah. <laughs> everything we said is out the door. Yeah. But we're young. Yeah. We don't know. And well, you're being a kid. Right. And you said it You said it best. Fear is setting in. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. So all five of us gets put in one police car, thrown on top of each other, put in one police car get drove back to that neighborhood. And then even though it was that one person that was out there, the Grim Reaper, there was nobody around to see. We get pulled in to a mob of people outside. Uh-huh. And then when we get pulled in, cop gets out the car, gets another car, shines a light on us in the back seat. You know what I'm saying? We doing like this and all that type stuff. Is that them? Everybody, yeah, that's them, that's them. That's them, take us to jail. We're young, we don't know. So we're in jail, case goes and whatever, whatnot. Was there an injury? Like, did this guy get hurt really bad? Was there like- I don't, I mean, listen, I don't know if he was black. I don't know if he was white, he was Spanish. I don't know none of that. You know what I'm saying? I do know, and let me let me finish. They took us and we did, we bonded out. They did the old maneuver of, um, uh, psst, you know what I'm saying? They offer you probation. You know what I'm saying? Sure. You can take that. You know what I'm saying? Or you can do five years in jail. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. We, yeah, well, we're adults because it's not yeah. juvenile. Yeah. And to let you know, in the car, we told that person, hey, you got to let them know what you did because us four yeah. are going to jail. You, yeah. You're going to juvenile. And that's that's what happened. You know what I'm saying? So they told us like, hey, look, you know, you're going to go to jail or you get this four-year probation. So we like, I'm, I don't, I'm trying to go back to school. You know, Warren, we're in the playoffs. Yeah. This is the playoffs of the senior year. We're High in the playoffs. School. Yeah. You're a kid. So I want to go back to school. So I'm, you know, giving that probation. You know what I'm saying? So years go by and I'm just thinking to myself because I'm looking at, I'm getting woke now. And we should have took it to trial. Yeah. Because we took it to trial, that person that got hit would have said, well, wait, no, no. That person hit me. Yeah. The big one hit me. Yeah, you, you understand? Yeah. And I don't know where these guys was at. I don't know. If, I don't know if these yeah. are those guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then. No, I get it. I, I want to just say to you that, you know, 
I've done silly things, you right. know, like one time I was at the Bob, I was at the Bob Marley Festival. Oh, you man. Know? How'd you like it? It was good, but River Oaks was having the flower tour or something <laughs> like that, and there was all these cones along the road, and I just thought it would be hilarious to open my truck door and knock all the cones while, while you know, and there's cops directing traffic. <laughs> well, this cop, you know, <laughs> this cop got into his like Hugo, like this little car and chased me down and did like an arrest without even a cop car. Mm. And I've had other interactions too, where I, I know that, yes, regardless of race, this is all I'm just saying, regardless of race, here's what I know about the correction system mm -hmm. and like making the wrong move. It's like, whether you've had a DUI or you've been, anytime you go and you suddenly have community service and you have fees and everything, that person's life, especially someone who's living paycheck to paycheck, how in the hell, isn't it obvious how that takes them down a road of less desirable? You know, it's suddenly, hey, I really need to work 60 hours a week, but I've got 20 hours of community service. So let me do that. Let me pay $500 for train, like whatever alcohol training or whatever it is. I'm not saying it's unnecessary. It's I'm saying that in the world of the way things are right now, the minute you open a little bit of trouble for someone, now they have all these hoops to jump through. And if it's african-american that's in that's in high school that's trying to get it going or it's a or it's a working mom or whatever now you're just taking all of these resources which is her time and her ability to work and god forbid she's having to jump through those hoops just because of her race is a complete injustice and that's really so much of what we're talking about is the fact that we're not just talking about normal people doing wrong things and having a problem we're talking about really like cooking the books in a way we're talking about creating issues and what that sets apart but i do get what you mean and it is it's like in hindsight it's like oh just for 400 bucks what if you had an attorney right. if, you, if you had that and that and then later on you just find out things like it's illegal for them to take us back to the scene you know what I'm saying? Had them yeah, on the side. They yeah. supposed to take us to the same. We don't know that. We no. know. You know what I'm saying? And so I realized until it was another kid that had yeah. the same problem in Fort Bend. And I said, hey, fight it. Yeah. Fight it. Don't just let them take away. Because yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. you put that X on you, yeah. it's going to be hard for you yes. later on. And some yeah. people are resilient. Yes. I'm good. I'm resilient. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I try to do things that put me like, I want to do my own business. Yeah. I'm going to do my own business. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because for what they want me to do is like and 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 what's interesting too i was and and this goes to what solo was saying it's like we don't know if how much prejudice was involved in we don't know but we also no matter what whether you guys were personally affected by this or not the fact is is that there's enough data for you to have it in your library in your brain of just going like this shit happens it's not like it's not like it's being made up. It's not that you're saying it happens all the time. You're saying, "Hey, I have this thing. I have like a little bit of an added exposure that I need to consider whenever something goes wrong." Fascinating and it and and you know, even in this story, it's like it's like we just don't know. Like you said, you don't know, but at the same time, no one will ever know. No one will ever know. All right, so Cameron, you ready to take on the question which is Going back to the last few weeks, here it is. You're watching on the news. I don't know how much time you spend, you know, like here it is. You're on social media, I'm sure, a little bit. Your mom, who I know, you know, is tuned in to a lot of things that are going on. I'm sure y'all have had conversations. 
tell me about what your gut instinct is, what you think about it, what your what your feeling was as you saw the unrest, and and why you also we all all of us need to say that what happened with murder after murder of of just any anyone who's African American or black or whatever, however you want to identify them, that it it seems to be a reoccurring problem. How do we feel about seeing it and then seeing the movement that took place and the reaction and and now even criminal charges against these police officers, which I think is definitely a sign of some kind of a new thing. I mean, who's the biggest case we all remember? Rodney, Rodney King, yes. You know, the Rodney King case, you know, they were on stand, but everybody got released. So it doesn't mean that this is the cure of everything, which we are going to get into in our next segment. But anyway, Cameron, question, what did you notice? What did you feel? How do you feel as you listen to these voices here with us today? And then lastly, you know, you're obviously 13. You haven't been to juvenile yet. <laughs> that's, that's a joke here, guys. But talk about what you are taking away from hearing even these experiences? Well, honestly, like my whole thought with everything that happened to George Floyd was like, it aggravated me. The part that aggravated me the most is the fact that not only is it, you know, racial profiling, it's now being recorded. So now you have the facts, the evidence, you know, everything that you need to be able to say, oh, this guy killed him. You know, it's not like a, oh, I didn't know that he couldn't breathe. If He's constantly saying, you know, he can't breathe. And another thing, I don't understand why it takes four men, four grown men to pin down another man that doesn't even, that doesn't even look half their body weight. You know, he's handcuffed. Like, what more can he He's not going to throw his neck at you. You know, there's not more that he can do. As he's handcuffed, he's telling you that he can't breathe. You know, just to touch on what Warren said, I said, you know, like, why would no one, you know, just step in and just, like, smack him or push him off him or something just to make him stop? Honestly, you know, all people that's recording, they're probably scared for their life because they're probably thinking, like, oh, what if I jump in and now they put two bullets in me and so now my mom is burying me or now my parents are now burying me. So that that's a fear because it's like you have a feeling that, that you get when something like that happens that, you just want to, like, you want to jump in or you want to, you know, stop it more than just with a video. You want to stop it, you know, physically, but you can't because you don't know what, what what's going to happen to you. So you've saved his life, but now you lost yours. And so it's a mixed emotions type of deal when it comes to stuff like that. And great point. The idea would be that anytime you're going up against a police officer, we're all conditioned that that's the wrong thing to do. Like, this is like, you know, stay out of their way, basically. All right, and then talk about like, as you hear Mr. Walks talk about being a police officer, being pulled over. This is a sounds like a documented case where there was a complaint filed and all of that. And to hear Sola, who's had his experiences and it's kind of changed his condition to what the way he feels when this happens. What is your what is like the things that you would like to just say as far as as that's concerned and things that if we could get this right, what does that look like for you? Honestly, 
I feel like that the only way, like Mr. Walk says, is the only way I think it's going to have to be a revolution. Because I feel like that we've tried so long to do it, like Martin Luther King, just, you know, peaceful, or let's let's not use no violence, let's not, no guns, nothing, just everyone just walk, you know, protest, you know, like say their name, stuff like this. But we've tried for so long. It's not like it just started, you know, when George Floyd died. It's been going on. It's been going on. And it's like, as long as I've been alive, this is the first time where I've seen a case or something like this where it hasn't like his name wasn't said for just a week and then everybody just forgot about it. This His name has been said every day. You know, there's more and more people posting about it, more and more people tweeting about it. So you, you can't, you're not going to be able to forget it. And, you know, it's a, it's a big break that at least the officers, you know, have been, you know, charged. But like Warren said, you, you, don't, you, you don't really know. Like you never know because they can go, you know, to a judge and then they can get not even a full year for what they did. And also I, I remember with the autopsy that was done the first time, they said that he died from disease or from other problems that he had. But when his family, you know, hired a private person to do autopsy, that the results came out totally different. So I personally feel like that the doctor that did the autopsy should be charged because you have a degree in what you're doing. And so you know, right, or you know when something is no, you know he died from lung cancer, or you can tell, you can tell because that's what you're getting paid to do. That's what you went to school to be able to do. And so you know. And for him to say, oh no, he didn't kill him. He died from a heart failure or something that he already had is wrong in my in my eyes. And like Warren stated how my thoughts are like, honestly, I don't have anything against white people. I never have, you know, I, I do have some white friends, but when it comes to like, you know, opening up and talking to my friends about stuff, you know, it's easier to talk to a black friend about what happened to George Floyd versus a white friend because if you look at most cases, there hasn't been really cases with white people, you know, dealing with police brutality. Not saying there's none, but if you know, the number is probably 10 to 1. And so me, black friends, I relate to African-Americans more than I can relate to a, a white person. And it just was, you know, some stuff is like funny, like, you know, how people like black people always get uh, their parents, you know, people run from whoopings and stuff like that, like some stuff. You know, it's like jokes, but other stuff is serious. And I don't understand. I don't really think that a white person really understands, you know, oh, this is wrong. Or can't you see that that we're being, that you're being, well, that white people are being racist towards us. Like I've had an incident with this guy at my school, is, I think two years ago. No, not, no. Yeah, this year. It was this year. And so this year, you know, this guy, I think it was something so minor, but it just like made me really think about him as a person. So we were talking about something, and he was like almost saying, almost sounding how people nowadays when they say all lives matter. He was kind of, you know, thinking about what's going on with him and not what's actually, you know, important. Like, so like I've stated, you know, there's people in the back, you know, in the backseat of the bus falling out. And when everybody's facing forward, you know, Nobody's looking backwards to see that, oh, that they're dealing with something. That's how you sound when you say, you know, all lives matter. Not saying that they don't, but at this point in time, on June 14th, then right now, for the past weeks or so, right now, black lives matter. And like I was saying, so we were talking about something that was so, it was so very minor. And I don't know why he said 
we were talking about something. This is a white friend, a white yeah, kid a white at friend. school. Yeah, and so I brought up, you know, some past stuff, some past with like slavery, something like that. And he tried to make it as if, you know, I was trying to just be like, like, oh, white people aren't important, only us, like only focus on black people. And what I was trying to explain to him is that there wasn't many many white slaves. Honestly, most of the most of the white people were either slave masters, slave catchers, something that was higher than well, something back then that was higher than the slave. They weren't never they weren't, you know, picking cotton or they weren't they weren't scraping the bottom of the barrel to eat or stuff like that, you know. And so I was I was just trying to explain to him and he took it, I guess, personal, trying to say that I that I was better than him. He just took it way out of proportion and I like now we're not we're not friends anymore. So I just found it so crazy that, you know, someone now you just can't you can't see like you can't see, you know, past your like past what you're taught or past what you already know. So I do understand what you're saying. It's it's you know, it's something where you have two different points of view. And what you want is you want to be listened to and understood. And instead, sometimes people are listening to argue back and it's like they want to like discount it. And and the thing about pain and suffering and also like about America today is that the black experience, if there's a thought about certain truths that feel like they're manifesting, you can't just make that disappear. You got to you got to address it. If If we know that that there's things like what happened with George Floyd, which I'd like to see that it looks like there's some corrective action. It's like, and this will transition into the next part of this episode, which is what adjustments are and what possibilities do we have, you know, and what are the ideas for us to go from where we're at right now to where we would like to go? And what is it that we see just here sitting at this table as the possibilities. So there's so much to this, you know, and one of the things about Feed the Machine and what, you know, as many challenges as there are, it's obvious to me, like, we're going to have to do a lot of talking. I mean, this would really, if we really wanted to take the time to to go down this path, um, we could talk forever, guys. I mean, there's so much to this. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I, it's almost like we have, there's a lot of work to do and there's, there's almost the uncovering the, the idea of like unraveling where the pain points are to figure out how to solve them is something that I would, I want to do. Like, I want us to like become idea people. Like, well, how do we become almost like the people that are thought leaders and figuring out how do we make things better? But right now where we are, you know, right at this point, you got to have a narrative. Like there's got to be ways that you personally think about things so that you have hope for change, but you navigate through where we are today. So uh, I'll start with you, Mr. Walks. Um, here it is. We know what these problems, like we, I mean, we've only started, but I mean, just to touch on where these problems are, there's got to be a way that you position your thinking on how things could get better how you know like how you navigate through life right now with the status quo that we are which is obviously there's an there isn't a a revolution happening okay well to answer your question what i think i I think it's going to have to break down the system it's going to have to be re-education 
It's going to have to be with a commitment. That's the only way that it can be done. Because I think um, a cooperation from the haves, the power structure is not going to come willingly. You know, and I think it's going to have to be, like I said, re-educating and uh, just a revamping of the entire system. Mm-hmm. And then Sola, like, you know, like here you are, I mean, you've done a really good job of kind of expressing where on one hand you support the police uh, you know you mentioned like they risk their lives and there's a whole honorable part to this and then there's the other side where you've got these other experiences that you have to protect yourself from and you're you're navigating this time what is like how do you position your thoughts and how do you like like what what angle do you take what what philosophies do you have to get through the next week, the next month, the next few months as we work through all of these things, hopefully? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, uh, I actually have started a militia so, of sorts, and it's called Four Pot, but it's about equalizing the pressure. So you're going to have uh, one side who believes, hey, they're going to be reluctant to letting go of their privilege or power, you know, so to speak. And if you don't equalize it, then they're going to continuously take advantage. And so the, it's, it's not like you're going to start a fight or pick a fight, but if something comes your way, you know, you, you have to neutralize the situation. And so that's what the militia is for. Now, of course you have to do it intelligently. So as I'm going Day to day, it's more sharpen your mind, get stronger, you know, be prepared. Because the reason why we're in this situation is because somebody beat us to the punch. You know, somebody came to where we were at, we were unprepared, and they took advantage, full advantage. And so in order to make that stop, it's not to say, oh, we want to be equal, as if to say we want to be the same or, 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 you know, some of these kind of things that's being thrown around. No, you can't be you can't be equal, and I'm not saying to get even either, right? So, so that equal, same, even—that's not what it, that's not what we're talking about. But to equalize the pressure is what we're looking for. So that if we do have political, uh, whether it's political power or it's to have financial power or to have military power, whatever it's going to take to equalize this thing, uh, that's in my opinion is going to be the best. Like that's my outlook every day is is how can we get there. And then, and then, and then, how do you factor in love and peace and all of that? You know, the word militia is very intimidating, right? I'm going like, well, what the hell does that mean? Mm -hmm. But I know you don't mean it like just like, you know, putting, you know, getting all crazy and 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 creating this militia of violence or whatever. Right. It's something deeper than that. How do you factor in all of these different elements that are really necessary for harmony? Yeah, so that's a good question. So, you know, I'm not looking to uh, to harm anyone. I'm looking to protect myself because if I'm getting beat down, there's no love or any harmony. And if somebody's not willing to step up and say, "Hey, stop that, stop mm -hmm. that," you know, a big brother or somebody can say, "Stop that," then I'm left to my own devices. Right yeah. now. That's not saying that, that you're going to go hunt anybody down or anything like that. It's just you have to 
I was watching Karate Kid, the one with uh, Jaden Smith. Mm-hmm. Right, and he was. Have y'all seen that movie? Yeah. Uh, no reason he should have been treated like that, right? You know, and he was, and and he had to find a way to equalize the situation. He wasn't a better fighter than those kids, but once they saw that, hey, it's not going to be as easy as it used to be, then they respected him. And so, how do we gain our respect? Mm-hmm. Is by equalizing the pressure. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's all. And, and anyone who's trying to assume what you're saying, here's the thing I want to tell anyone who's listening. You are, you're not a psychic. You cannot just guess and, and conclude what, what you're saying. I mean, like none of us can. And I think that's where we get our, everyone gets into, into trouble because when you're communicating ideas, people don't know on a scale one through 10, is it a 10? Like, let's take the word angry. You know, can people be a 10 or a one? Like an angry, like 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 off the charts angry or you know like because something travis you know a travesty took place or is it just angry because you spilled your cereal you know and so part of all of the where we have to go and like what i'm hoping that we'll achieve is we just like here we're we're opening a giant can of worms if you want to call it that where right now there's so much to this it's a it's so three-dimensional and it and it and there's so many different layers to it that communication is really going to be critical. People actually understanding where they, where they do agree on certain things and where maybe even their worst case fears, because fears go both ways, right? Like, I mean, really you have, you have um, everybody kind of has a stake in this that the cure, the, the solution is empathy and understanding. And what I mean by that is you take any of the interactions, whether on any side of any problem, but let's talk George Floyd for a minute. If, If empathy were present, if there was some ability to be human and connect, you would never put your knee on somebody's neck like that. And you would never witness it. And you would never block the public from interacting or stopping something. You do the opposite, and that's what we need more of. And 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 being a thought leader in the idea of saying, what do you do to protect your family, Sola? How do we? How do you know? For me, I, I I have so many black friends. I have my black little brother who I love. I love his mother. I mean, I mean, these are family to me. We all have a vested interest in just. We're not asking for anything other than just. Can it be a fair like fair game to me just means no tricks, you know, like, uh, you know, in a world where we do have cameras and we have all of these different ways to kind of surveil what happens, you know, out in the field, that's not going to be enough. It has to be a change in the way people think. And it's got to be a, why can't we get to a point of ease and glory where Sola gets pulled over and he's totally comfortable and he gets to roll his window down and say, geez, like, sorry, uh, totally was going faster. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. You know, like that's the, like, why can't it be like that? And it can. And I'm, and I think it is And some, you know, this is like, we don't know what the true numbers are of where it's going wrong and where it's going right. And we don't know the differences in geography, but Sola, um, when you wake up in the morning, and here it is. You got your family. You have not. You have your. You have children. You, you know. 
you feel responsible to make life better for the youth, the black youth, and just life in general. I know you don't want anything bad for me. It's like, it's like you really, at the end of the day, this is about everyone. It, it, it keeps coming back to everyone. How do you position your mindset? Like you, like, like you, like there's all these checks and balances that you've got to be considering while you're trying to make a difference. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, and I, I do want to be clear because it may seem, I don't know how this is going to sound playing back, but I do love mankind. I love mankind. I do. And I want to see mankind do great. And I love to see, there was a young lady I said I would, I would never forget, um, Sarah Grossman. She died being in, uh, in a protest, peaceful protest. They shot some gas and she had asthma and she died from it. And I'm never going to forget that lady. Of course, you from the name, you probably would guess that she's white. Right? And uh, Sarah Grossman. And and my heart goes out for her. I love her because she showed empathy. She showed love. And ultimately, she lost her life. And her parents are going to have to live with her their daughter. She was 22 years old, very young. And uh, so I, I don't want to come across as if there's this huge conflict in me. No, I just kind of see things for what they are. And I understand, like, the gangster mentality of we're going to do whatever we feel like. And then now, okay, well, somebody has to say something. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to say something about that because you're just doing whatever you feel yeah. like. And there's got to be this other little thing where you're trying not to be this certain, like, it's almost like you got to, like, not be too much because you need to be palatable, right? People need to be able to swallow, like, swallow the, the, the drink, right? Like, Absolutely. make sure it goes down. But then you don't want to just be water because water don't work, right? You That's need good. you need to have like some, yeah. yeah. You got to have some punch to it. So it's it's interesting. It's a balance, and and I think I, I I mean I'm listening to you, and I know that I know that right now, to me, just this is my point of view. Listening and trying to understand is the beginning, and then there has to be adjustments because. Where we're at now, once the adjustments take place, it should make life better and more rewarding. And we see people thrive more, you know. Um, Iva, I, I'm going to bring you in on this. Um, you know, you've got a family and you're, you know, we're all responsible to make this better. Uh, the, what is your thought on how do we, how do you personally kind of position your thinking about how much action you can take as far as making a difference, the strategies of what you see your community being able to contribute and then leveraging everyone? Because, you know, obviously you we have all these different people involved in society. And so at the end of the day, it does take it it, it does take everybody to kind of come together and make some choices. It does. Um, the thing about it is uh, law officials, you know what I'm saying, and, and if you want to say white law officials or white people, they have to be sympathetic to, like, like you know, like Sola said, Sarah Grossman, sympathetic to the black person's pain. And if they're not, then there's no, they, they won't, we're fighting, we're just going to keep fighting. We're just going to keep fighting. There's no there's no uh there's no way that anything gets done unless they're, they're, they're um sympathetic to our pain 
You know what I mean? Um, black people, of course, we need to, we need to educate and we need to we need to do stuff. I mean, this stuff that we can do better. You know what I'm saying? This this this. this for one, you know what I mean, we need more togetherness. You know what I'm saying? And like Ken is showing the young the young kids today, they're showing they're standing up for something. You know what I mean? Um for what my community is doing, you know, I applaud. I applaud. I applaud the 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 peaceful protests, you know what I'm saying? The 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 voices and volumes, the voices and numbers, you know what I'm saying? And I, I applaud the response. But again, us doing this and there's no sympathy for our pain is just gonna keep going. It's gonna keep going and keep going. I don't see a, a, a solution to it unless those two unless that that's done. And I, I as far as like uh personally, like you personally have to wake up every day and you live in this world and you're driving on these streets. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, and, and again, there's things that we need to do. I, I really believe that we need to fix us. You know what I'm saying? Now we need to educate and fix ourselves and we can't depend on anybody else to do it. You know, but again, if you know, we can always do that and then there's no sympathy for what we go through. There's like, hey, you know, we got this meeting going on, but police are outside and they beating people up. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They, 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 for us, it, 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 we've done it already. We've done it. And I, I, I hate the fact that we've done it and nobody say, man, well, let's do it again. We did it and everybody like, man, psh, you know, can't do that again. You know what they're going to do. I'm, I'm talking about like with Greenwood, mm. you know what I'm saying, Black Wall Street. We done it, and we, we we live peacefully. We live we live with harmony, and you know what I'm saying. It got destroyed, so it's the same thing back in slavery when they killed the man of the household, or not the man of the family. You know what I'm saying? They left the mom and the child to break their spirit. You know what I'm saying? So here we go for our whatever years we do Greenwood. You know what I'm saying? And we make everything, everybody, like you said, living in harmony. Everybody cool. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't liked. It wasn't liked that we was doing that. They didn't have no sympathy for us. You know what I'm saying? To do what they did, there was no sympathy. And nobody picked back up and said, okay, the smoke cleared. Let's do this again. You know what I'm saying? Let's everybody get together and do this again. There's nothing. They, they broke that. They broke that spine. You know what I mean? And you know, you'll have people doing it here and you have people doing it there, but not nothing consistent where, oh, overwhelmingly more black people want, I want to be a part of that. Mm. I want to be a part of that. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's where, that's, that's how I would see everything panning out if we get back to that. But, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's restrictions that we're fighting against. There's restrictions a lot. Well, but you personally, and I, I mean, part of this, all of this is that all of us and everyone who cares about this, we, every little step that we make that's towards it getting better is a good thing. In the meantime, if if this is as bad as it is, imagine if we just get better and better. That means that right now we could be as bad as it is, right? It means that we could actually see more light hitting the streets and more, you know, 
all these things that are concerns right now, in a perfect world, we could remove them and we could make life better. We're not there. So here we are here and we have a long, a long way to go. We have steps to take. How do you, you know, what is your, like, where does your faith come from? Where does your, where does your mindset what what are you doing on the daily so that you can go like okay i need a win today like if we if we can make one win today in this arena of black america how do you position that so that you're you know tuned in to to addressing it even if it's on the most minute way like family man this is my family everybody in my household for, for, for now, with everything happening, everybody has to be educated. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You, my son has to be educated the way I go outside. You know what I mean? I have to talk to him and let him know. You know, in in in, in we had conversation, but there's a whole bunch more conversation we have as I'm growing. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? When he turns 16, 17, it's you know what I mean? It's 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 a different time. You know what I mean? And we grew up where we were just outside. It's a different time. I can't just let him be outside like that. You know what I mean? I got to talk to him and let him know how to be, how to talk to police, how to, you know what I'm saying, how to maintain himself. You know what I'm saying? What what he can and can't do because, you know, you're supposed to be able to do whatever you want to do. You know, wear hoodies, do whatever you want to do. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I get that. But as a parent, it's like, ah, uh, do you take the risk? You know what I'm saying? And I know how I act. I know how I, I would act in public if something you know what's to occur, and if I'm home and my son's out there, and I don't know how he would act. Yeah. That concerns me. You know what I'm saying? But for me, my my position on how I help do is my family. Educate my family. You know what I'm saying? And that goes to like friends too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like listen to what they're saying. Listen. Let let me know. Let me know some results, or let me know something that we can do to resolve what goes on in our community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I feel if everybody takes that step, then it's you'll you'll start seeing some light. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But Warren, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is as much as we try to sit around what's the call, there's also the oppression. There's also the yeah. uh, oppressor that's like we don't give, we don't care about that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you can you can sing kumbaya all you want to. We're over here mm. trying to get together to find out how to mess up your kumbaya. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I have a friend, a white friend that has a son that's mixed, you know, you so he's he's black. You pull you know, if you pull them over, you're gonna think he's black. In right. this situation, they I mean, I know there's all different shades, right? Yeah, yeah. But he told me he's like, Yeah, you know, it's like I have a black son. I have to tell him like it's, I mean, this sounds so ridiculous, but he's like, don't wear a hoodie. And I'm going like, come on. Like, really? Like, this is the conversation you have to have with your son. And uh, and and so on one hand, th- there's heartbreak about this. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we are God's helpers, right? Like we, have, like, we don't get to choose to do nothing. We do have to do something. And uh, And so, you know, where this goes like where where the evolution is is yet to be determined i don't think you know it's very easy to to talk presidents and politics and corporations but we really need to get this so right that who the president is president is doesn't matter we need to get this so right that no matter what what's going on in 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 the in the police departments even that our society is just 
getting it right. And if we're getting it right like that, it's going to make such a huge effect for everybody. Um, we're getting close to closing it out. I know that, uh, Cameron, I, I want to just ask you, like right now, you've been, you know, you've been listening to all of this. You got to go to school eventually, right? I know we're in COVID times, but like, how do you try to put your game plan together on being black in America? Well, <clears throat> honestly, um, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure how, you know, you're supposed to prepare yourself for other than, you know, just knowing what, you, you know, like just knowing or like Sola said, you know, be prepared for like stuff to happen, stuff to go wrong. Be pre like, be prepared for the worst, but then hope for the best. You know, like that's that's kind of how I live my day to day life, and it's like, <clears throat> it's like even if, you know, you do everything right, you do everything, you know, the way it's supposed to be. It seems like there's still flaws that they that they find or that they point out, and that's used to take something for what it is and make it what it isn't. And so um, I think like, in order for this to stop, for one, I think we do need a change in government. You know, uh, Trump, the our president of America, has said some stuff like that, you know, I guess some, some racist stuff he has said uh, about black people. And it's honestly like, like Mr. Walker said, if you have a president or the head, like you got the, the bus driver, if you got, she's supporting what somebody's doing, like she support people that cuts into cuts into her seats, you know, mess up her seats or whatever. Then everybody's gonna do it. So then you have people on the other buses saying, "Oh well, she supported it and she runs the bus district or this, that, and the third. So they start doing it, and then more people start doing it, and so it's like a chain effect. So with Donald Trump being our president and him saying, "Oh well, I guess black people aren't aren't good or aren't this or aren't that," then it just makes other people think, "Oh well." The president said it, so it has to be true. You know, people believe and stuff like that. And I think, I think, um, if you know, if people wasn't so into politics and stuff like that, if people just really didn't care what the president was talking about, like me, like I, I'm not really like you know have a, I don't really have a head for politics. But you know, some people do, and those people like that, they sometimes believe whatever uh, the president says or something like that, or they disagree. And so I think if some people wasn't so uh, like focused or so, um, yeah, like or some people wasn't focused on the politics and just live life and you know, just lived and you know, work within not not work with them, like their community, stuff like that, regardless of what the president, the president is saying. Now for like the police officers, like it seems like, like Mr. Walker said, we, need to, we just have to change that. Like we need to start from scratch, start from day one, you know, change the rule book, change everything, change what they do. Like why is it okay for uh, a man, a police officer, why police officer approach a car while holding a gun? How are you threatening 30 feet away from the car? I, I don't understand. She's not going to pull out an RPG and shoot your car and blow it up. So it's not nothing that you should be afraid of, you know. I, well, I understand you could be afraid because, like Mr. Walker said earlier in the podcast, that somebody has pulled a shotgun on him. So you can, but I don't know why you – like, that's your first thought. Because what happens is if you walk up holding your gun 
and they can see out, you know, their side view mirror or something like that. They can see that you're holding your gun, so they can feel threatened. Like, do I need to call my mom, make my last final calls? It's the last time my mom ever see my, you know, hear my voice. Like, why she have to feel like that when you get pulled over for a traffic ticket, traffic ticket or something like that? So just to just to close it out, I think that we can change, but it's gonna take a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. I think I'm. Uh, I'm sorry. To go, yeah. uh, I think. Um, I think. You know, what I'm saying what you're doing is. You know, what I'm saying what's needed. This. This is what's gonna cause change. You can imagine. You can imagine a, a, a this podcast and what you're conversating about, and you have a, a room of forty people next week, fifty people, and people are listening. You know, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said, I tell Soul all the time, like, you know what I'm saying? The conversation is different this time around. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, the people are, uh, we see, even, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we see, you know, Black Lives Matter and we see white people in there, some white people in there causing, you know, bad apples. But you see a lot of people, you see a lot of white people that's like, hey, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I need to listen. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm going to speak up. I'm going to say the things that need to be said. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what back when um, Kaepernick uh, took a knee? Yeah, conversation was way different. Mm-hmm. Conversation was like it, it's about the flag. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like and, how do you disrespect the, the flag? flag. Yeah. Everything was about the flag. Everything was about like oh he shouldn't do that or whatever whatnot. And everybody was paying attention to that the flag. They weren't paying yeah. attention to like well yeah well, the, the the reason right. And and now old boy put his knee on the you know old yeah. boy's neck George Floyd's neck and now now they see a reason like okay mm-hmm. well. You know what I mean? And it's in abundance. There's yeah. a lot of people coming out. It's a little bit of a wake-up call yeah. that has happened that we don't know why, but uh, it, it it's occurred where this time seems so much different, you know? All right, well, before we close out, um, I want to uh, give each of you guys a chance to, like, say a few words. And uh, if you want to, you don't have to. You could tell people how to um, find you on LinkedIn or whatever, what, you know, if you have a, a, a something that you want to further, uh, share, but, uh, Mr. Walks, you want to just kind of close it out and, and, um, just say a final word before we shut it down. Seeing again, exchanging ideas and the dialogue that's going on here. This is where it starts. This is grassroots and, uh, it's about being awake and gaining access to, to the mainstream of life, the mainstream of uh, what supports our society, because it's crumbling, it's crumbling, and I, I weep for the future, I really do. But uh, this, this here, this what you're doing here is, is a difference. That's, that's a step. That's a step that's going in the right direction, and I laud you for that. I laud thank you, thank you, and Sola. I, I know you have some different things you work on, and you might want people to be able to find you and learn more about what you do and in different you know different realms of your life yes sir, absolutely thank you uh, i do want to start by saying i appreciate this you know opening this this panel up for us and to have this discussion uh i don't think you're being sponsored to do this kind of thing so it's obvious it's, it's i appreciate it uh, uh i go by sola colio show on facebook but on in Instagram, it's DVS and then the word charm. So DVS, DVS charm. And I do music and, of course, just try to live a, a regular life. So I'm not a commando type dude, you know, just trying to look for trouble. Not at all. Don't want to hurt anybody innocent. 
I don't want to do anything like that. I just want to live a peaceful life. I want to enjoy life. That's it. And I know that Cameron wants to, too. He wants to make it to he's 48, 84, maybe. And so that's all. That's all. Sure thing. I below. Hey, man, I want to want to thank Warren, man. Uh, he's great. He's great, man. And I, I love what you're doing. Um, for my people, man, positivity, educate. And, you know, togetherness, you know what I'm saying? That's what it's going to take. Positivity, educate, and togetherness. You know, once we get that going, man, and that harmony that we're looking for is going to come. But, again, thanks, Warren, and y'all feed the machine. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. And, Cameron? Um, I want to give a big shout-out to uh, Warren. Uh, for one, this is my first ever podcast, and I think it was really – it was a real – good experience and so I think it was needed because for me I had you know I had some bottle up thoughts that I actually was able to you know talk about and let out so I do appreciate this um this podcast everybody here I enjoy you know y'all stories and stuff like that and uh yeah feed the machine you know I uh I sit here and I I realize that what a difficult undertaking this is you know it's it's like I always hear on Facebook that like Facebook, I keep saying Facebook because it's like the media right now and everything that you see on Facebook, the world is one way, right? But Mr. Walks, when I go pick you up, you know, I, I think of you as this, you know, in your prime, right? I mean, this amazing person that's like you're you're an educator and you're a dad and and you know, here it is, I'm a student in your classroom as a youngster and you're a police officer, and you're doing everything you can for your family, and here it is, you know, that goes back to the 90s. Today, I go pick you up, and in today's world, you're complex, there's wonderful people sitting outside of your door, people telling you how much they love you, and and when I posted that we were doing this uh, together, it was, so many students of yours were like, I love Mr. Walks, like one of my favorite teachers, right? It's one of the things that kept me going. I mean, I've taught at, I taught at schools that have uh, access to the, the highest technology, well-to-do, well-to-school, and I taught at schools that didn't have anything. I spent 10 years, no, nine years at Kempner, and I finished up at North Forest, Smiley High School. Mm -hmm where I had, had to, to pull my gun and take a student who just shot another student in the hallway outside my class. Yeah, just broad spectrum. And uh, you put the two of them together and you talk about what's happening in the world, things have got to change, man. I, I, I've, been, I've been pontificating that the whole the evening, but it's got to change, man. It's got to change. And I think, and 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 I think as I say that to you, it's because I want to say I want to believe our world is better than what sometimes the technology says it is. And when I'm when I'm here with you guys, I I it it does bring a lot of hope to me because of the fact that we're all on it. I want to say we're all on it, and we're going to see more people be on it. And uh, and so that's a great thing. I I want to say a couple words about Sola too, which is, you know, Sola, several uh, Thanksgivings ago, him and his brothers were doing flag football on a Thanksgiving day. I brought my 
all my white kids. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Football Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, we did. A, we, yeah, everyone could show up. It was a mixed crew. Uh, Cameron was there. We, uh, my friend Terrell DeRoe. I mean, we were all there having a good old time. And so if anyone is listening to this and going like, Warren's sitting down with some edgy, you know, Solo must be edgy. It's not. It's like, it's like we're fr- like, you got to understand that this is like, we're leading by example in our day-to-day life, but you're trying to make an impact where beyond our reach, right? And you can't do that just being you and being a great neighbor. You got to like put some strategy together and you got to bring some people in and you got to tell the story and you got to like make a shift. It's not an easy undertaking. It's, it's equivalent to trying to start a business with no customer, you gotta, you're, you know, the 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 story, it matters, but you gotta have somebody sitting in the seat and listening. And I want you to know that Sola Koliosho is somebody. You meet his family, you meet him, you you pull up to a track, and Sola's there with his babies. You're gonna you're gonna be treated great, no matter where you're from, no matter what color of your skin. And that's why everyone who's listening to this, no matter what you're, whatever you're concluding or whatever you're thinking that this person is saying, the truth, the, the reality is, is you're gonna want more of this in life because this is what creates relationships. And as what makes relationships is people treating people right and wanting more time with them, right? I below, um, I wanna appreciate, I gotta tell you, man, I appreciate your diplomatic, thinking process you know um there are things that we did not talk about today that were like top of my mind and i'm and i'll just tell you a few of the things diving into really like the black lives matter talking about even you know something that happens too in life is our general we have generational kind of programming where for an example a grandmother tells their grandson something in the hopes that it protects them and 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 because society changes those risks to all of us change and and perfect example is just you know a grandparent that grew up in the depression is telling their kids certain things to avoid it you know or in different religions you have people saying be careful for this other religion we have a history with them you know you don't know it goes on and so um i think all of us noticing like that we're trying to unravel all of this is is a significant thing and and uh, today i think you've done a great job at sharing you know and not exaggerating i mean in many ways everything you said was pretty like hey whatever scale this is this is what happened and and great job thank you for being here and you're you're a good soul and i can't wait to uh, to see what else we do together and cameron um 13 years old and you, you know, you are, it's an honor and pleasure to meet you. I mean, and to know you and meet you. It's an honor and pleasure to have you in my life. You know, a lot of times when, when I tell people I'm a big brother, the, the thing they go is like, oh, that's so sweet of you. Are you kidding me? Like, I have like a little brother that when it's his birthday, I get to, to show up. If you've never been a big brother, big sister, I would definitely suggest it to anybody. It's uh, one of the biggest pleasures I've had in my life. And, and, uh, and when, when you're surrounded by great people, the thing is, is it's my pleasure to have you guys here. You know, like, that's the thing. Like, this was so important to me in the fact of we, we don't know what we don't know. 
And, uh, and so we moved the dial just a tad today and we'll have to do much more. Great episode. Thank you guys. And, uh, onward and upward. Peace out.